Okay, friends, I feel like we need a drum roll today. It's a good episode. Honestly, a full circle kind of moment for me. Every industry has its own icons who have consistently set the bar high and are consistently inspiring us. My entire photography career, I've been so inspired by today's guest, not only by her talent, but also her longevity. We had the opportunity to host her at an indie workshop a few years back, and I can tell you she's as warm and as kind in person as you would hope she would be. She's been named one of the most influential photographers of our decade. She's a best-selling author. Her work has appeared in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and the list goes on and on. She's well known for her luminous, intimate portraits of women. To name drop a few, Christina Aguilera, Lauren Conrad, Hilary Duff, Katherine Schwarzenegger, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Brooke Shields, and you're in for a treat, friends, because today I'm recording with Elizabeth Messina. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. I'm absolutely thrilled and delighted to have Elizabeth Messina on the podcast today. When I think of the greats in the photography industry, Elizabeth is the first to come to mind. Today, she so graciously agreed to come on and share with you all about her career and how you two can set your business on track to great and lasting success. So now I present to you episode number 57 of the Motherhood Anthology Podcast. Elizabeth Messina. Kim Box. (laughs) I just, I can't believe this. I, I don't know if you know what a big deal this is for me, but you're kind of an icon, Elizabeth Messina. I don't think that's true, but you're very sweet. Well, I wanted to know that. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that you have so many people that just think you're the best? I'm, I wish you could see me right now. I'm blushing. <laughs> I know that I'm older and I've been doing this a long time. So that's something I'm aware of, but I don't know. I feel like the process of being a working photographer and an artist is something that you're immersed in as you're doing it. So certainly there are photographs I'm really proud of and I've worked very hard and I I really love what I do, but no, I just feel regular. Well, you're not Elizabeth, you're not regular, but goodness, I'm kidding. I love your art. Like I love the the images that you make. I love how they I talk about this sometimes that some people shoot to tell a story. And I really Mm -hmm. feel like maybe when you shoot, you're looking for that one magic image. And that's the way I feel like I shoot. Is that true? Do you feel that? I think it, yes, it's interesting. I think the process of shooting for me, when I'm in it, I'm really like, for the lack of a better word, I'm a shoot with abandon. I'm Mm -hmm. really in it. And I am searching for something and I feel like it's a conundrum because the search for perfection is, it's kind of fruitless because all the really good stuff is in between. And I do think, although there are, there's something I'm trying to find or discover or connect with while I'm shooting, I also think I might be telling a story along the way too. So I think it's a little bit of both for me. And I do think Like after a shoot, when I look at the images and I'm really trying to find the pieces or the moments that feel like the most powerful or the most impactful or whatever, just hit me in a certain way. That's a process too. And I have to go through the journey of experiencing my own work 
without feeling like I made it, if that makes sense. I try Mm -hmm. to look at it without that attachment. And sometimes it's really easy for me to know the image that's really hitting me and speaking to me that I want to share. And other times I'll narrow it down. It'll be like seven, eight, nine images. And I really do have a little series because I can't decide. And I feel like more than anything, I try not to have rules with that around myself. Like I just try to, I don't know, just feel it more than anything. Mm -hmm. I guess what I was saying is one side of the coin for me, Mm -hmm. just being so inspired by you is the beautiful art that you make. But I think being the same age, I think Mm -hmm. another part of just following you and loving you is that I feel like you've done such a beautiful job of creating this long career. And I hope you take this as a compliment because it is a compliment. Like, oh, <laughs> no, for real. I, a big concern for me, especially like having shot weddings for so long is that eventually I was going to be too old and people mm-hmm. wouldn't want me anymore mm-hmm. or that I wouldn't be relevant, that, that, You need to be young to be creative in this industry. Mm. And sometimes I feel like maybe guys don't deal with the same thing because of course got men get more distinguished, but women (laughs) we age. Really not fair, is it? Yeah. It's not. And so you have done a beautiful job of just creating this long career of being inspiring and relevant to so many people. So I just wonder, is that something that you have been aware of or worried about yourself? First of all, thank you. That's your compliments are so generous. (laughs) I just really appreciate everything you're saying. I think that's a really deep question, to be honest with you. I think on, so I'm going to answer it in parts. I think when I started out, and again, I think you and I can relate to us, relate to this because we're around the same age is that there was a blessing and also the disadvantage, there was no social media, there was no digital. So Mm -hmm. my love affair, when I really found photography and fell in love, like it was just magic to me. I couldn't believe this thing existed and I could do it. Like it was really incredible, but it was so connected to the process of film because that was all there was. And what I mean by that is I think I, being a film photographer from the beginning, I had to be very mindful of exposure, of composition, and really engaged in the moment. Because if you messed up, you wouldn't know until you developed your film, and then it would be too late. So I think there was something in that process that early on, before I was working, just when I was doing it, because I loved it and found it, it made me very engaged and connected to the moment that I was making images. And I think so early on, I was photographing my friends and my family. And it was a women in my life. And I had to be somehow instinctually very mindful of them, their comfort and what I was capturing. And if I was doing it, and to be honest, I made some horrible mistakes. You know, when I, early on, I was using a view camera because I thought it was very cool. And I didn't understand the difference between four seconds and a fourth of a second. I mean, I understood it conceptually, but on the camera setting, I thought that I I metered, I thought I needed to take an image at a fourth of a second, but it was four seconds. I had no understanding of light and what the difference in that time was. So as you can imagine, I made the most horribly underexposed images and I was heartbroken later, never made that mistake again though. So I do think the process of using film 
made me much more mindful of my decisions when I was making the photographs and my, although I'm not really, I'm not a technical savant. It hasn't been my passion, but I'm very mindful of how I use my cameras. So they work for me. And then also it was like the red light and the being in the dark and things like revealing themselves to you. It was like, it was all incredible. Right. But early on that was happening and I had no business sense, no connection to, I have a career or a voice or a vision or any of that. I was a waitress and I would save my tips to take photographs. Like literally for 10 to 12 years after I graduated from photography school, I was a waitress. I didn't know how to start a business. So anyone that might have the illusion that this was somehow easy or quick for me, it just couldn't be farther from the truth. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I had my first daughter who, just to give you some perspective of how long I've been doing this, it wasn't until I had my first daughter, who is now 25, that I shot my first wedding. And so all that time before, I was really developing my work and my eye and my rhythm and all the things that I've nurtured and I think gotten better at over time consistently. I was working on that for no money and no attention and no, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was those days and hours and years of devotion to something I loved that has really served me till now. Because I think my desire to be a photographer came before my desire to be an entrepreneur. And again, I think everybody's journey is different. If I had been born now, I probably would have started with digital and it would have been different, my start. And truthfully, I actually do shoot digital now too. I still shoot film, but I found a camera that is digital that really is incredibly fluid with my process. And the look is very similar to my film work. And I believe, you know, start to circle back to the main point of your question, part of the reason I've been able to sustain a career, even as I age and even as things change in the community and in all the people we know right. is that I have never stopped being curious. I love photography. And although I'm a passionate film photographer, I've never felt like digital was bad. And I think that, that somehow there was a while where it was really a two camps. And I didn't understand that. I, I feel very curious about making images. I still use my Polaroid cameras. I use my iPhone all the time. I think that I want to make images and I'm when I have the time, I love trying new cameras and experimenting. With that in mind, I also have used that same philosophy as an entrepreneur, how I deal with my career. So I 100% agree with you about weddings. As you get older, it's not that I'm not quite as concerned, I think, if people want my work or not. I think that's kind of instinctual. Like people want you or they don't, you can't control that very mm -hmm. much. You could just do the best you can do. Right. But physically, it's different to be in my 50s than in my 30s. That's just right. real. And the way that I've handled that is that I've always had a little bit of a diversified career. And I think for me, that has really served me both creatively and professionally. So creatively, what that means is even when I had was doing way too many weddings, like tons, two, three a weekend, like I don't even know how I managed, but I was also doing other work, photographing portraits, photographing 
magazines, editorial, other personal work. So for me, I needed to really stimulate different parts of my creative brain all through my process to just stay connected to myself as a photographer, but also it ended up being really important and powerful to maintain a business as the world changes. Now I still do weddings. I love them. I'm a complete romantic and I love the light and the beauty and the God, I just, I think they're incredible. I just do very few of them because mm -hmm. physically and because I'm so immersed when I'm working, it just really takes a lot out of me. So I do very few weddings a year and I'm completely devoted to them when I'm there. And then I do a lot more personal work. I photograph a lot of women. I photograph a lot of things that are more intimate and take parts of the wedding that are some of my favorites, like the intimate times with a couple or the bride alone, or maybe an emotional moment between family members, those quiet, sweet, intimate moments that unfolded a wedding. I have, I seek them out and do that work privately now, if that makes sense. So more bridal portraits, more couple portraits, more maternity, more honestly women at different stages in their life, whether they're celebrating something or grieving something or marking something in their life that they want to honor and lots of children and still, I don't know. I just, I'm a photographer and I'm curious about it still. And I think that having a healthy interest and curiosity in the work I'm making and the work I'm sharing and how it's connecting. I think all of that really contributes to being relevant because I'm still interested in it authentically. If that, if that resonates. Oh, absolutely. The thing that I love so much about photography is I think that you can see so much of the artist in their work. And I love to, I just love to study people. That's why I enjoy this podcast so much because mm. I get to just pick people's brain. But I think it's so representative of who that person really is. And so as I listen to you talk, I think that probably the answer to that question is more about having a rich life, which mm. is comes out in your work. Like to me, when I hear you talk, it's more about, I love people. I love the relationships mm -hmm. and the connection and the and having spent a week with you in Columbiana, mm -hmm. Alabama, <laughs> I just watched you, Elizabeth, we were lucky enough to have her come to our uh, long live film workshop a few years ago. And it was at a camp in the middle of nowhere. So you had no choice but to um, <laughs> be with us for a week. It was wonderful. I really, I loved every minute. I really did. But it was so fun to, to watch you because you, uh, the, there are so many people that that are busy and shoot a lot and they're like, Ugh, don't give me a camera. I I just want to relax. And you are just like soaking it all in, interacting. And I think you got up one morning, it was cold, and you mm -hmm, had your daughter in the lake. <laughs> yes, like, it was freezing. <laughs> um, but you were making beautiful art for yourself while you were there. And I just, I was so inspired by that, that I bet just if I could be a fly on the wall in your life, I bet you mm. just treat your life is art too. I okay, let me be really honest right here. Listen, first of all, yes, I, I love photography. And if anyone's listening, that's trying to make their way. I do think you have to have a personal connection and want to make work even when you're not getting paid for it. Cause that's where you learn. And that's where you like have a little freedom, I think, mm -hmm. where you're mm -hmm. not trying to provide something for someone else and their expectations. However, 
I, I do want to say, I think, okay, so growing up, and again, I had a wonderful parents, I have wonderful siblings, but there was a lot of struggle and sadness. And I don't know, just like it was, I struggled some on and off over the years. And mm-hmm. so to me, in, in some ways, photography allows me that creative part of me to, to heal. Mm-hmm. Like I find beauty because I need beauty. I find connection in people because I'm curious about it because I, I don't know, like it was sad having my parents not together, even though for them, that was their path and their choice and what was best for them. But growing up, I always missed somebody. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I was always a little sad mm-hmm. and now great moments too. I don't want to like over overstate that. But then on the other side, it's funny, a lot of times over the years, uh, people have asked me to film my process, mm-hmm. videotape me shooting and all of that. And I always said, no, I try to be very nice about it, but I was such a purist. I am a purist that I feel like the most important thing is the art and what I'm producing and the mess and the challenges to make it are not what matters or what I look like making it. That's just Mm -hmm. not important. I've always believed like the work was so important and I'm trying to make really beautiful images because I need beautiful, peaceful images in my life because I'm a hot mess on a regular day. Yeah, I have a beautiful family now. I have a husband who is like a much nicer person than me. He's calm and kind and just lovely. I have three children that I just adore and I have two dogs and honestly, I'm happy at my core, but our life is a little hectic and I'm a little moody and like it's not I feel like the few times I've hosted classes in my studio, I feel like they don't understand until they get here that it's like, there's a bit of a mess in making a photo, right? There's a lot, not a mess really, but there takes a, it takes a lot of work to make something look effortless. And I love the process of doing it, but I was always more interested in what came out of it. The process is like, that's a, I don't know, that always felt Mm -hmm. less important to me to the work that you actually put in the world. Okay. So we're going to transition a little bit into shooting. So Mm. we just talked about, you felt a bit uncomfortable and how like that has made you want to work with women and make them Mm -hmm. feel beautiful and comfortable. Our focus at TMA here is mothers and women. Mm. And I I, I reached out when I knew I was going to do this to a few people and ask if they like what w- if they had questions for you mm. or what would oh, be what, something what are, yeah, they what are would the questions tell me I want to know so uh, talk to us about your process with a client so what does that look like how are you like connecting so that you create this beautiful art can you talk us through that just a little bit absolutely I okay the truth is my process starts a lot before my client is in front of me and I'm photographing them and I think that I don't know if that's everyone does that or if that's unique to me or what, but for me, my process starts, let's say they, they've inquired with me, they've emailed and they're curious about my hiring me and mm-hmm. they like my work and whatever. My initial response is I try to be very friendly and very clear about what my starting rate is. So I don't, I don't send them a PDF with a whole bunch of info to start off. I say, thank you so much. I would be honored, 
something like that. And then I give a starting rate and then I instantly invite them. Please let me know if you have any questions or thoughts. And if you'd like to talk to in more detail, you can email me here or please feel free to call me directly. I am very personal with people. And that is because I think first and foremost, when somebody is pregnant, let's say, for anyone that's been pregnant knows that is a very intense time in your life. It's very vulnerable. It's very exciting. You might not feel well physically. You might be nervous about what's to come. You might have, be having a hard time connecting to the way your body's changing. There's so many things going on, right? And so I feel like I really try to be mindful of what someone might be experiencing. So it's less about I do this and that, but I try to be aware of what they might be experiencing and give them the chance to communicate in the way that feels best for them. So what that means, if someone's an emailer and wants to send me a list of 10 questions, then I will meet them in that space and email them back and answer all their questions. If they live in another country and want to text me on WhatsApp, I will answer those WhatsApp. Now mm -hmm. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to answer a text at three in the morning. No, I'm asleep, but mm -hmm. I'll mindfully, if I notice it, when I get up, respond. Mm -hmm. If they want to call me, if I can pick up, I'll pick up. I might pick up. I'll be at the park with my dogs. Like I don't, I'm a little informal and it's not that I'm unprofessional. I take what I do very seriously, but I also try to talk to other women as other women. It's not, I'm not selling myself per se, but more wanting to hear what they care about and wanting to connect just verbally, sometimes on the phone with somebody, we might talk for an hour and not even talk about photos or process or price or anything. Mm -hmm. So I try to be very real and connected to the people I talk to. Okay. So then after that, and also, oh, I should say, we also like text like girls show me what you want to wear. They text me a photo. Oh my God. And we go back and forth. Are you styling the client or a, a combination? I think so. Yes. I'm really involved in all aspects because I love it yet. Like the way I said with, I meet them where they are when they mm -hmm. reach out, I meet them where they are in that space too. If they are like, Oh, I have these dresses. I'm so excited. I'm bringing amazing. Bring them. If they're like, gosh, I don't know what to wear then I, we might go back and forth and I make some suggestions. Like for instance, one thing that I think is really flattering, if somebody is comfortable showing their body to a certain degree and they want to have like underwear on, <laughs> excuse mm -hmm. me, I often suggest boy shorts can be really flattering when you're pregnant more so than the regular like brief or bikini underwear you might wear. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about the way it frames the body that I think is really lovely with a pregnant belly. So I might suggest that. And then I'll text a few photos from sites that I've ordered from. You know what I mean? It's very informal and only, I don't push anything. I, I really try to be responding to what somebody's curious about. And I also, of course, because I'm a little bit crazy and a little bit of a collector, I have a beautiful collection of pieces in my studio. I guess I have a studio closet. It was what people would call it, but it's really just a collection of things I love a combination of gorgeous designer gowns and a lot of vintage. And I make that available to anyone if they're, if they want it, but also if they're not feeling it. That's fine too. There's no certain way. Okay. We haven't even gotten to this. So when they come to the, to my space now, 
I am lucky enough now to have a beautiful natural light studio and it is a detached garage in the back of my property. So it's like its own building, but it's, I'm at, I'm at home. And although we don't have to get into all this right now, I have this because it burned down and I was very lucky to be able to rebuild it from scratch and make something of my dreams. I was well insured. So I was able to do that for many years. I had no studio and I had a window and a corner of my son's room where I took portraits. So just to be clear, this is, I'm feel very lucky to have this mm -hmm. space now. And when people come over, I, they usually, I usually met, tell them to text or call me when they get here because I'm in the studio. I can't hear the door. So they'll let me know I'm here. I usually go out and greet them at the car, try to help them carry things in. Like I'm welcoming them into my home. And we come in, usually one or some of my family and dogs are here. So they meet people. We walk through my house. It's like you're really coming over to my house to hang out, right? Mm -hmm. And then we go out to the, the studio. And when they come in, I have music playing. I have incense burning. I have on my table, I'll set out like charcuterie or maybe a cake, uh, hot mint tea and honey. I'm basically like, if you had a girlfriend come over, I put something out, come into my home. Let's listen to music and have a bite to eat. And so when they first come in, there's, you literally cannot find a camera. You're just coming in and we're connecting. And what I find is that process, first of all, it's really natural for me. I want to make someone feel welcome when they come into my space, whoever they are. Mm -hmm. But also I do think innately, even if it's a model, there is something that happens when you take your camera out where the energy changes a little bit. And I want to be connected as humans before we get into that space of, okay, now we're doing this thing. And so what I find is it just, it's disarming, right? We laugh, we talk, we eat a little bit, we look at clothes, the music's playing, and maybe there's hair and makeup here, maybe there's not, it depends. And Music's then, big for you, isn't it, Elizabeth? Music is huge for me. I I literally, I don't think I've ever shot without having some kind of music on. No, I guess occasionally like if I'm out and about. But what I feel is really important about music, and I think that this is, I guess it's kind of a secret. Maybe it's not a secret. It's a tip, is that when you're in the process of photographing somebody, there's a really, there's a really important balance between all of the things that you have to think about in your head as a photographer, right? Like you've got to do math, right? You're thinking about exposure, composition, like you're looking at analyzing the way they look, the edges of your frame, like so many moving parts and conversations. At least that's what, for me, I'm having a lot of stuff going on in my head. And yet at the same time, even if I'm a little stressed or don't know what I'm doing or not really liking what I'm seeing, I don't want to give any of that energy to the person I'm capturing. I think it's really important for your subject to feel as at ease as possible. And in my experience, that comes from a few things. One is my energy when I'm relating and directing and communicating really leans into positive. I am always like, if I feel like if it's quiet for too long, that someone feels like they're doing something wrong or you don't like it. Mm 
So I'm often, oh my goodness, beautiful, great. Oh, hold that, breathe, beautiful. Take another breath. Okay, exhale and look down. Like my direction is very interactive and very positive. And I, anytime I suggest something, I say something positive, even if it's not perfect, it doesn't matter. I want them to feel good about how they responded to me. And what I have found is that sometimes in those spaces, it might be quiet for a while because I'm thinking and trying to make decisions. And if it's quiet for too long, there's no rhythm to the shoot. There can sometimes create a little tension or maybe that subject is going to feel more uncomfortable. And music heals that. It links the moments. It creates a rhythm. And I think there's a heartbeat to a shoot naturally you ebb and flow. Like you don't know exactly what you're going to get. You start getting into a rhythm. It starts looking really good. You feel it, you're shooting. And then maybe you change outfits or positions and you got to start all over again. You don't get to stay in that sweet space. You got to find it again. And for me, having music on, having something that is like soothing and connecting us outside of my direction and outside of just someone sitting there and going, oh God, what do I do? It really creates more opportunities for better photographs and allows me to be quiet every now and then without just like that awkward silence that can linger in a room. I never want someone to feel uncomfortable, or at least if they're uncomfortable, I don't want to contribute to it. I want to help them be calm and be able to be vulnerable and connect because that is where the beautiful images are. It's not the settings on my camera, although of course those matter. The magic is in the connection between you and your client. It's some moment that happens that you can't plan for, but when you see it, you know it, you feel it, and you respond. Tell us about your uh, equipment. What cameras are you shooting? You I, I Okay. Uh, first of all, I love cameras. I want all the cameras. <laughs> I used to have a really big, beautiful collection of cameras before my studio burned down. I lost about 30 cameras, so I have not yet been able to replace all of those, but my main film camera is the contact 645 i think a lot of people may know that it's been mine for many years it's the i love the aspect ratio i love the zeiss lens i love the medium format film camera it's just honestly i don't even know if i'm that good sometimes i think it might be the camera like it's so beautiful even my mistakes are, are like satisfying and i probably have about four or five of those still that i like have in rotation my main digital camera now is the Fuji GFX 100S. And I got to say, it, it's it just absolutely beautiful. And I really, I'll use that in synchronicity with my contacts. It is almost exactly the same aspect ratio. I think it's off by just a little bit. And the quality of the images and it's a large format digital camera. There, It's exquisite. And I do have to adjust it a little bit in my post-production. So I'll add a little grain and gently adjust it. So it does, I really use my film work as the, I don't know, my where I'm trying to have my images look, but I interchange those cameras and I'm really have fallen in love with the way that looks. And I do think overall, oh, I also have a couple of Polaroids, which I love and I play with and I shoot my kids or something in my studio. I, I love that old school feeling of a photo coming out in real time out of the camera. I think it's magic. And also the iPhone is like a modern Polaroid. If you ask me, I use 
my iPhone on shoots all the time to test a shot because I think sometimes my natural eye gets excited about the moment and forgets to look at everything. And if I do an iPhone shot, I might notice something in the frame or just something about the light that I'm like, oh, wait, I don't really love that. And I'll make an adjustment. But I think if I'm sharing with people listening, I'm going to say this, and I believe this so strongly. It doesn't matter what your camera is. What matters is that you love it and you know how to use it. I'm happy to like create links and share the gear I use. I'm like, of course, I love it. it. It's beautiful. And I would highly recommend trying it. But also, if you have a camera that you love, just make sure you know how to use it. Make sure you know the settings that work for you and consistently give you the kind of images you want to see. Um, I think there's no right or wrong. It's just what's right for you. I was going to say, I watched you walk around that workshop at the camp and create am- amazing, beautiful images with your iPhone. So it's not <laughs> about the it's not about the tool. It's about the artist. So. Honestly, sometimes my iPhone is better than me, and that's very humbling. Sometimes I'll get my photos back, and I'll like my iPhone photos better. I'll be like, "Oh my goodness, I need to do better." <laughs> what is happening, Elizabeth? How do you, after working with a client, how do you deliver images? What do you present to a client? So. That's a wonderful question. I will say this after I, after a shoot, like I actually shot all day yesterday, beautiful shoot, a mother and daughter. And it was amazing. Like energy, the images, like we got some proper portraits and then we really did some experimenting, which is something I think is so important. Once you get what you think you wanted to do things, try things, experiment. And it was incredible. And I cannot look at those images today. First of all, the film's got to go to the lab, but also the digital, I won't even upload them. I need a little bit of space between the shoot and between experiencing the images because I think, I alluded to this earlier, I think the process of making art, making photographs is different and uses a different part of your brain than editing and making decisions about the photographs. And for me, if it's too close to each other, I don't feel like, I make the best decisions or I can't see it clearly. I'm going to, I'll give it a couple of days and I'll upload those photographs. And when I have fresh eyes and I'm not so connected to the experience, because I love the experience. I don't want to lose that energy, but I want to look at it with more critical thinking when I'm looking at the images and not just, I love this mother and child and what a great shoot, but that image worked. Nope, that didn't. And be really harsh on myself. I want to be the hardest critic of myself. Anything you look at a photo of mine that you don't like, I I saw it first. I Mm -hmm. want to know my weeks and my weaknesses and my strengths. So then when I upload them and I look at them, I tend to cull pretty instinctually and quickly. And I pick my favorites and it's, I can't tell you what, how it is. Maybe I should videotape my screen one day. It's just Yes. No. Like I just go through and any it's anything that's a yes, I like star Mm -hmm. and I do it very quick. And then I go to my settings and I I select only the starred ones so I can see the ones that I picked instinctually and Mm -hmm. I edit those first. And what I find in that is I'm creating a collection of favorites, my favorites. And by 
looking at those first, I really have a better sense of the flow of the shoot. And again, it's different. Like maybe I shot 2000 images yesterday and maybe I shot a thousand, maybe five. I, it, there's no rules. I just shoot mm -hmm. freely. And then same thing when I pick, I don't go, oh, I'm picking a hundred. Some shoots, I pick 50. Some shoots, I pick 150. There's a range and it's just instinctual. And I don't judge myself on that. I pick what I pick. Then I edit those and I send those as to get printed. I have prints made for my clients. And the first thing that they get from me is a package of prints. I believe now, again, this process is a little longer, right? And you have to, I think, set the expectations a bit with your clients. So they're not like, where are the photos? Where are the photos? Where are the photos? And there's two ways I do that. One, I communicate a bit and just give them a, an expect set, set their expectations about when they're going to receive something from me. And two, the, the iPhone comes in really handy because I've taken iPhone shots through the day to test. And now I have a handful of iPhone photos that I'll send them that night or the next day and say, Hey, I just thought you'd love to see some of the iPhone shots. So they get that satisfaction of seeing something, but also with the caveat, it is my iPhone photos. There's more to come. And I find that helps create a little space so I can edit and make decisions in a more natural, fluid way. And then I send a box of prints to my client. I typically frame, I frame again, I wish I, I should make some rules. It's not, I just feel it. If it's mm -hmm. one amazing image that really speaks to me, I print one. If there's a series of three or four, I print and frame three or four. So I'll frame one to three images, let's say. I map them, I sign them, and I wrap them like a present. And then the other, let's say, 100 images, I make smaller prints of those. I wrap those in ribbon. Those all go into a box because I want my client to experience themselves as a work of art. And I want them to see what I saw and show them how I experienced them. And I find that is very impactful, right? Because what do we do if we get someone emails us a photo or texts us a photo? I think a lot of women, now maybe this is just me. I shouldn't speak for all women. Zoom in and look for their imperfections. What's wrong with it? And I want, I hope that my clients are sitting on the sofa with their loved ones and passing photos back and forth and experiencing them as tactile, tangible, real things and not zooming in, that they just experience it as a photograph. And I think that there's more joy in that. And I like imagining someone touching the things that I made for them. And with that said, I understand and respect the world that we're in now. I also create digital files and folders for them to have, but I don't send those until after they receive their photographs. And so I want them to be able to share with family and friends and I want them to have copies on their computer, but I more importantly want them to have those prints. I think that's really meaningful. I love that so much because so many people now don't know what it's like to have to wait and the specialness of actually seeing things printed. Like, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes like people like photographers might go, Oh goodness, that's a, a lot of an extra expense. And a lot of the people I mentor, I just say, no, just print one photo and frame it. That's a nominal expense that you can mm -hmm. build into your production costs. Even one can have a, an impact and 
and change your life. I'll tell you a little story. Years ago, I had photographed pregnancy of a friend and sent her the prints. She did my thing. Anyhow, I did not know she was friends with Brooke Shields and Brooke was over at her house while she got her box. And mm-hmm. so she un- unwrapped all those photographs. Brooke was pregnant at the time. And so I'm like at the grocery store. I don't even running errands. And Brooke Shields calls my cell phone <laughs> and is, oh my goodness, I just saw your photos of um, of this friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I love them. I'm pregnant. Can you come? Can you do this for me? And I'm due next week. Can we do? And that's how I, Brooke became a client and I photographed her pregnancy photos. It was because of this gesture I did. And I think that's really important in business. Sometimes we can get caught up in planning and what we need to do to strategize, to be relevant in business, sometimes just being yourself and being kind can come back to you when you don't expect it. And that was has been my experience on several occasions. Elizabeth, I could ask you questions all day, but we have to talk about this very exciting thing that you have and coming. And we've said several times that you are an introvert and that people so many people want to be a fly on the wall and know how you make this magic. And I have seen a sneak peek of something that you have created and it's every bit as wonderful as you would imagine something from Elizabeth Messina would be. So let's talk about that. So oh, tell. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah. Would you tell us about it a little bit? Yes, ma'am. So I have goodness, I've been working on this for almost a year. I have filmed every part of my process from the behind the scenes at photo shoots. I've deconstructed my actual photo shoots and created intricate posing videos. I've explored all aspects, some of which you've already asked me today and a whole lot more, and I've filmed all of it. And it's been really a really incredible process because what I realized along the way is although I was not ready a lot over the years to be filmed by other people because I really wanted to always prioritize the work I was making I didn't as I said I didn't feel like seeing me do it mattered but then when I got the idea to produce this and to make this myself it became the work and so the process of filming myself and speaking to camera and telling all the things I do felt so purposeful and beautiful and amazing. Now, again, it's a little vulnerable for me because I've never wanted to be on camera. I wanted to make the images, but this sort of blended these two worlds together. And I've created a really in-depth multifaceted course. I guess it's a bespoke workshop with everything that I know. And it's all about the art of photographing women. The title of the course is The Art of Boudoir. And it's interesting because although boudoir is part of the title, what I realize is I define it really differently, I think, than maybe the sort of common interpretation of the word. Boudoir to me is photographing women in an artful and intimate and powerful way. And it is not necessarily about 
showing skin or being nude or sexy. Sure, it can be. I mean, there's certainly aspects of that. And I embrace all the diverse components of boudoir photography, but really I might need to like rename it and just call it the art of photographing women, because I think women are the heart, the core of a lot of my work and a lot of all of our work, right? Weddings, families, pregnancy, just so much of it. I think if you can improve your skill and capture women in a really beautiful and poignant manner, it will expand your business in ways you can't imagine. Because when a woman is happy with her photographs, with, with the way she looks and feels in her photographs, I think a lot of times she's the one who's going to uh, be coming back to you or having her family come back to you or think of you when her sister gets married and so on and so on. So I feel like I have been photographing women since I picked up my camera when I was 12. And I have been deeply passionate about doing so my entire career. And honestly, at this age, I feel like I really have something to say. This is the time and it feels wonderful. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. I think you're going to be blown away with the response you get, because I know for myself, I have so many times wanted to come and um, do one of your workshops and just, I actually have a phobia of flying. So oh, honey. Uh, <laughs> I would do it for you, you though, Elizabeth. No, I road would trip, road trip. <laughs> but I know there's so many people that are going to be so excited about this. So when is it going to be available? So the course launches on October 24th and we're going to do a launch sale for the first two weeks because I really want to try to make it available to anybody that is interested. And so we're going to do a really significant sale when we launch and hope that it can touch a lot of people, a lot of photographers. And I think the way that I've put it together, we've been on the phone so long, I can't tell you everything, but Right. There's so many different aspects of it that I think will resonate with people at different points in their career mm -hmm. that if you are beginning, this is really, this is the things that I wish I could teach myself when I was beginning. So there's a lot of really rich information and actionable information that you can implement into your own work. But also if you're established and farther along, I think there's a lot of things and a lot of pieces in there that can really stimulate your creativity and just open the way you're thinking about your own work and your purpose. And also all the things that I know about capturing women in a really beautiful way. And not just beauty for beauty, but beautiful in that it's raw and open and vulnerable and represent something special in their lives. I just, I'm obsessed with this. I feel like I want all the women in my life to feel how amazing they are. And yet, you know, I'm guilty too. Like it's hard being a woman and your body changes and you age and you, I don't know, sometimes we admire other women and then they're different than us. And so that somehow diminishes us in our minds. And I think those two ideas align with being a photographer and being a woman that sometimes that thing where we look at other people's photographs and we're like, wow, that's incredible. And it's different than me. So I guess I'm not that good. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly done that, uh, especially when I was a bit younger, mm -hmm. but I think that 
there's space for all of us. There's space for all different diversity of women, ages, beauty, backgrounds. Every woman has a space. And likewise, every photographer has a place and a voice. And the diversity between our voices is what's so interesting. And the concepts that I do as a photographer and artist are something that people can also interpret for themselves and have it be authentic for their own work. And I just think there's room for all of us creatives. It's really, I want to lean into that space even more as I get older. I love seeing what people are making and I want to be a bigger part of the conversation and maybe just a little less introverted. That's my goal. It's going to be so good. And I'm I'm very excited about it. And like I said, got to see a sneak peek and it's so beautiful. It would be. And I just love the fact with so many people over the last few years, like that have thrown up courses here and there that you were so thoughtful about this. You didn't just, you could have jumped in with a course anytime, Elizabeth, and it would have been successful. But like everything you do, you put so much of yourself into it and you've taken the time to make this something really special. So another fun thing that I'm super excited about for our members is that Elizabeth has agreed to hop in our membership, I think soon after her course launches. So if you've seen the course, you'll be able to talk with Elizabeth about that and ask questions and interact with her, Elizabeth. Yes, ma'am. I'm actually excited to do this now. It's funny. It's this course is now feel like I birthed another child and now I just want to talk about my child. (laughs) I'm so excited that you want me on your Facebook live. And I know I did an interview for motherhood anthology a while back, but I think it was a written one. So I'm very excited to be able to like, if anyone has bought the course while I'm on there to ask any specific questions about that, or if they're just curious about the course or anything, really nothing's off the table. I will be excited to connect with your community in a more personal way and answer any questions people may have. Oh, that's so generous. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. I I know I've kept you a long time, but can I have two minutes to ask you some fun questions here at the end? Just some quick. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. What's the best advice you were ever given? I think the best advice in terms of photography is never give up and believe in yourself. Because the difference between longevity and success and not having that is just not giving up. And I think, I don't know that we talked about this, but I I do want to mention this because I feel it's important. There have been many times in my career where I was lost and struggling and not booking and all the things that everyone goes through. COVID hit me hard, for real. And I think no matter how you're feeling, if you're struggling with where you are as an entrepreneur, as a business person, or if you're struggling as an artist and looking for inspiration, you just have to be kind to yourself and keep going. And sometimes that means for me getting in bed and hiding and just feeling sad and quiet. And then the next day getting back at it. But if you want to make it as a photographer, never give up then no one can stop you. It's really up to you. Yeah. What do you want your children to know? I want them to, I want them to feel whole and peaceful and good, no matter what they do. I feel like we're all so different and I see it even in my children. They're all wildly different. And I think as we grow as people, 
I just hope that they get to a calm place and a place of knowing themselves quicker than I did. Cause I think I was a bit hard on myself for too long and too shy and too unsure. And I realize again at this, you know, time of my life, what an incredible blessing and journey it is. And everyone's way is unique. So I don't care what they do. I don't care if they get a, a master's degree or I, I don't care about any of it, just that they feel pe- purposeful and peaceful in themselves as people. Mm, that's good. And so this is my signature question that I try to ask everyone, because I think so often we can just work our lives away and never stop to celebrate. So how, Elizabeth, how do you define success? Mm. Goodness, this is something I I think about a lot and I I change my answer <laughs> depending on my mood, right? Now, certainly having some sort of financial security is important, right? Because we all want to pay our bills and eat. But really, I define success through little things like moments like this where you're interested enough in me to want to hear what I think about photography and life and you care about my work. This feels successful. This feels like I've touched you in a way enough to want to talk to me. Personally, I find success in having the space and time to really be with and connect with the people I really love. Like my husband is just a wonderful person. And sometimes when I get busy, I we don't get as much time together as I want. And so success to me is like when we can like just lay in bed and watch a movie, like we still, we hold hands, you know what I mean? While we're together in bed, like we just hold hands and talk and that feels successful because it's such a sweet part of life to have that type of love and, and to have the time that we can appreciate each other. Even as we get older, as our kids get older, it just feels really special. And so that means a lot to me. And that feels successful in life that we can still be kind to each other and love each other after all this time. Mm-hmm. Thank you, friend. I really mm-hmm. appreciate you doing this. I think one of the best things in the world is when you finally meet someone that you've long admired and they're more wonderful than you hoped. Oh and my. Thank you, Kim. That's, that's so how funny. I feel about you. You're very genuine. And I really appreciate that about you. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I can't tell you, I, I haven't felt this good in a long time. You said so many nice <laughs> things to me. I'm like, I'm going to feel good all day. Thank oh. you. I appreciate you. Okay. So before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you, where they can find out more about your course. So yeah. my Instagram is at Elizabeth Messina. And that is my main Instagram. I also have an Instagram for my, my education site and my other business, which is Mm -hmm. the art department. And I spell that the T H E art, A R T E department, D E P T period. So the art department.com. And then I also have at the art department on Instagram, the course is the art of boudoir. And I will have a specific link that I'll provide 
for you. We don't have that live yet, but it will be accessible through theartdepartment.com. And of course, I'll be like talking about it on my Instagram like crazy because I'm so excited and a little nervous and can't wait to share. Yeah, I think those are the main places yeah. that I'm that I am Very online. Cool. Yes. Thank you. I love you thank so much. You. I really do. I do too. And thank you for everything. It's been, you've made this whole process so wonderful. I really oh. had a wonderful time speaking with you. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Words cannot describe how grateful I am that Elizabeth joined us today. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Elizabeth, for sharing so authentically and generously. Your daringness and genuine spirit is an inspiration to us all. You, our listener, can follow Elizabeth at her links in our show notes and go to theartdepartment.com forward slash art dash of dash boudoir to check out her new course. You'll want to check that link out in our show notes because art is spelled with an E, so it's a little bit complicated. But again, that's the art with an E department.com forward slash art with an E dash of dash boudoir to check out her new course. Elizabeth is offering 60% off her course now through November the 7th. So check it out while you can at such a discounted price. I'm also thrilled to tell you that at the time this podcast airs, our TMA membership is officially open. And so Elizabeth is going to be inside our membership November the 3rd to talk with our members and answer questions. So if you're not a part of our membership, you're definitely going to want to sign up for that. It's only $45 a month. You'll get access to over five years worth of education, a private warm community of women, monthly live coaching calls, and so much more. So you can join us now at membership.themotherhoodanthology.com before our doors close on November the 2nd. That's membership.themotherhoodanthology.com. As we conclude this episode with a quote, I'd be amiss not to share a quote directly from this episode, something that Elizabeth said that I just love. The search for perfection is kind of fruitless because all the really good stuff is in between. So from Ireland's to yours, until next time, friends.